الحمد لله رب العالمين له الحمد الحسن والثناء الجميل وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له يقول الحق وهو يهدي السبيل وأشهد أن سيدنا ونبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه والتابعين لهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين أما بعد Today insha'Allah ta'ala we're going to be taking the last lesson on Tudwin al-Sunnah and it's going to be the last Imam Al-Imam Ibn Majah rahimahullah ta'ala and we have then completed the last of the six Imams the last of the last of the six Imams and pay attention here we said the six books of Hadith and we've mentioned this before but it's good to remind again that why were these six Imams chosen to be together first of all the scholars, <coughs> the scholars agreed on five. Five was agreed upon by everybody, generally speaking. Are we all together? Five was agreed upon. Which five? Bukhari, Muslim, Abi Dawood, Tirmidhi, and Nasai. They were all agreed upon. The sixth one that was disputed was three views which one should we make the sixth one are we all together brothers five is agreed upon Bukhari, Muslim, Abi Dawood, Tirmidhi so Bukhari, Muslim Abi Dawood Tirmidhi and An-Nasai those five everyone on the scale or everybody is agreeing on that are we all together the dispute and the khilaf is which one should we make the sixth? Which one? And there's three views. The first view is Ibn Majah. The first view is who? It's Ibn Majah. And the first person who made Ibn Majah the sixth is uh, Abu al-Fadl, Tahir al-Maqdisi. Abu al-Fadl, Tahir al-Maqdisi, rahimahullah. I'm Abu al-Fadl ibn Tahir al-Maqdisi The first person who said that the sixth should be, has to be Ibn Majah is uh, Abu al-Fadl ibn Tahir al-Maqdisi rahimahullah who died the year 507 He was the first And he mentioned it in two of his books He mentioned it in his two of his books there's the first book which is At-Tarafu At-Tarafu Al-Kutubu Sitta At-Tarafu Al-Kutubu Sitta He added the sixth one He made the sixth one Which one? Sunan Ibn Majah And he also has another book called Shurutu A'immati Sitta Shurutu Shurutu A'immati Sitta Where he talks about the conditions of the six scholars Six books He made the sixth Ibn Majah and then after him, the scholars that came, like Abdul Ghani, Abdul Wahid Al Maqdisi, in his Kitab Al Kamal, Fi Ma'rifat Al Rijal, and 
Abu al-Hajjaj al-Mizzi, who then, then who summarized the Kamal of Abd al-Ghani, who made it into Tahdib al-Kamal. All of the scholars, what they did was after Abd al-Ghani, Abd al-Wahid al-Maqdisi, and after Abu al-Hajjaj al-Mizzi, the books that came out of it, which are the furu' because the, tahd- the kitab Abd al-Ghani, Abd al-Wahid al-Maqdisi wrote, is on the sixth books of hadith, the, the, the rijal, every man who's in the six books of hadith, the narrators, you can go to this kitab Al-Kamal by Abdul Ghani Abdul Wahid Al-Maqdisi. You guys know Abdul Ghani Abdul Wahid Al-Maqdisi, right? He's the author of Umdatul Hakam. The author of Umdatul Hakam. He wrote a kitab called Al-Kamal. He wrote, he took it from who before him? Abu Fadl ibn Tahir Al-Maqdisi. And then Abdul Ghani in his kitab Al-Kamal, he bought the sixth. And then after his, his book, Abu al-Hajjaj al-Mizi, summarized it. And then that got, Abu al-Hajjaj's one got summarized by Zahabi, and then Zahabi's one got summarized by Mughlat. And many scholars came after and they summarized it, summarized it, until Ibn Hajar made it into what? One volume. And he called it what? At-Taqrib. So the Taqrib is the first one, only one volume. All of them are upon the six books. Are we all together, brothers? The second view is, the second view is, the sixth book of hadith should be Muwatta al-Imam Malik. The sixth one should be the Muwatta of al-Imam Malik. And this is the view of Razin al-Abdari. In his kitab, Al-Tajirid. Razin. Razin. Um, Ibn Mu'awiyata. As-Sarqas. Um, As-Sarqas. Razil ibn Mu'awita As-Saraqustiyu Who died the year 535 He mentions The sixth one should be who? Al-Imam Malik Muwatta and also Ibn Athir al-Jazari, Ibn Athir, in his kitab Jami'u al-Usul, he said the sixth, sixth one should be who? He said the sixth one should be Imam Malik's Muwatta. And the reason why he said that is because Imam Malik is, this, is higher than all of them. Are we all together? Imam Malik, Imam Udari Hijra. So they said his Muwatta should be the sixth. Jazakallah khairan. Now we have the third Third view. The third view is uh, Al-Siddiq Hassan Khan from India. He said in his Hittah, he mentions, The truth is, Malik should be the sixth. Siddiq Hassan Khan says what? Who should be the sixth? Al-Imam Malik. Rahimahullah ta'ala. The third view is Musnad al-Darimi. Al-Imam al-Darimi is what? He's Musnad. That should be given precedence over the Sunnah ibn Majah. This is the view of Salahuddin al-Alai al-Kaykaldi rahimahullah. Salahuddin al-Alai. Salahuddin al-Alai al-Kaykaldi. He said that the sixth one should be Musnad al-Darimi. It should be what? Musnad al-Darimi rahimahullah ta'ala. And that view is the view that Ibn Hajar is more inclined to. Ibn Hajar is more inclined to which one? 
Ibn Hajar is more inclined that the sixth book of hadith should be made into Musnad al-Darimiyu. Why? He says because Laysa Kitab al-Darimi, the book of Imam al-Darimi, it's not Duna Sunan fi al-Rutbah. In terms of level, it's not lower than the Sunan. It's not. And if they added the Musnad al-Darimi to the sixth one, other than Ibn Majah, Ibn Hajar said it would have been better. فَإِنَّهُ أَمْثَلُ مِنْهُ بِكَثِيرٌ فَإِنَّهُ أَمْثَلُ مِنْهُ بِكَثِيرٌ It's more befitting and it's more better than it is than Sunan Ibn Majah is to be made the sixth. Why not make it seven? Naam, when the first scholars wrote, they were limited in the time that they had to write all the conditions of the books. It's time, it, takes, it consumes time. So somebody will come and he'll only speak about five. And another one will say, okay, I'll add six. But la shaka wa there's no restriction. There's no restriction. It's like the concept of the ten that were promised Jannah. Were they only ten? The Sahabas that were promised Jannah, were they only ten? No, it was only ten in one hadith, but there were more than ten, right? There were more than ten that were, that were promised Jannah. But these six, they have a significance. These are the six strongest. That's what they wanted to mention. So, let's mention, speak about the last book, which is Sunan Ibn Majah. And alhamdulillah, once we, we speak about Ibn Majah, we have spoken about all the six books of hadith. Okay, Ibn Majah. What's his name? His name is Muhammad Ibn Yazid. So his name is Muhammad and his father's name is what? His father's name is Yazid. His name is what? Muhammad. His name is Muhammad. And his father's name is Yazid. So he is what? Abu Abdullahi. Abu Abdullahi ibn Majat al Qazwini. Abu Abdullahi ibn Majat al Qazwini. Are we all together? Al-Qazwini. I want you to all look at this, inshaAllah ta'ala. His name is what? Abu Abdullahi. Okay. Here. Couple of things I want to mention. Number one. Ibn Majah is whose name? Okay, whose name is Majah? Who's Majah? There are views now. The first one is, and the second view is, that Majah is the name of his father. So if Majah is the name of his father, when you're writing it, you can't write it like this. You cannot write an alif there. Are we all together? If Majah is the name of his father, then when you're writing the name, it's wrong for you to put Alif there. You need, don't, don't write Alif. Does that make sense? You're not allowed to. Because that's the name of his father. Are, you, are we all together? But if you're of the second opinion, which is that Majah is his granddad's name, then when you're writing it, what can you do? You put an Alif there. You write it like that. So you say, Abu Abdullah ibn... 
Majah. Does that make sense? So there's two opinions. That Majah is whose name? Yazid's name. Yazid was his laqab. His nickname is what? Majah. And the second opinion is that Majah is the... It's a nickname for who? His granddad. Is the nickname of his granddad. If you're of the opinion that Majah is his father's name, then you're not allowed to put an alif there. Because that alif is not put when the two people are from one another. Does that make sense? Like if you're of the opinion that Majah is from what? His father's name, his granddad's name, sorry, then you are allowed to, you're allowed to put the alif there. Another thing that I want you to understand is Majah is written in two ways. The first one is with a ha. And another view is with a with a ta. But the strongest is that it's with a ha like Ibn Mandah. And what? Ibn Dasa. One of the ruat of the Sunnah Abi Dawood. One of the narrators of Sunnah Abi Dawood. We spoke about Ibn Dasa, remember, right? When we were talking about Abi Dawood. Their names finish with what? Ibn Majah is like that. It's not with a ta' marbuta. Don't make it a ta'. What is it? It's a ha'. And the term Majah is a Persian. It's a Persian name. It's a what? It's a Persian. It's a Persian name. Al-Qazwini. Qazwina. It's a, it's a place not far from. Um, it's, it's 100 and like 145 kilometers approximately from Tehran. From what? Tehran. Approximately. This is where Al Imam Ibn Majah is from. Qazwin. Qaz. Qazwin. I don't know today if it's still called that name or has that name. Allahu Alam. But I don't know. Lakin, the great Shafi'i scholar, the great Shafi'i scholar, um, Abu Al-Qasim uh, Abdul Karim Ibn Muhammad Al-Rafi'i Al-Imam Al-Rafi'i Abu Al-Qasim Al-Rafi'i The great Shafi'i scholar Who's also from Qazwin Al-Imam Al-Rafi'i You guys know the Kitab Al-Minhaj Written by the Shafi'i Madhab, right? Nawi, we talked about it, right? Al-Imam Al-Nawi has a book called what? Al-Imam Nawi has a book called what? He has a what book called? He has a book called? And the Minhaj is already originally from what? It's originally from the? Muharrar written by who? Abu Al-Qasim Al-Rafi'i, right? Are you with me, brothers? And he also, 
he also explained which kitab? The Al-Wajiz. By who? By Al-Ghazali. The Shafi'i Madhab book. Fiqh Shafi'i. Ghazali wrote a book in the Shafi'i Madhab. Abu Al-Qasim Al-Rafi'i explained it in a kitab called Fathul Aziz. Al-Imam Abu Al-Qasim Al-Rafi'i, he is also what? He's Qazwini as well. And so what he did was, he wrote a book called Abu Al-Qasim Al-Rafi'i, he wrote a book on the ulama and the scholars of Qazwin. He wrote a book on the scholars of Qazwin. He called it At-Tadwin Fi Akhbari Ulama Il-Qazwin. What did he call it? At-Tadwin. He called it At-Tadwin. He wrote a book called At-Tadwin Fi Akhbar Ulama Fi Akhbar Ulama I think it's Ahlul Ilmi At-Tadwin Fi Akhbar Ahlul Ilmi Something like that, I don't remember it Fi Al-Qazwin Something like that Anyways, by this book he broke it into four chapters. It's in four uh, chapters he breaks it into and he goes in great details about the scholars of this land and how they were. So there are many scholars that came from this land, this particular land of Qazwin. The birth of Imam Ibn Majah and his upbringing. Imam Ibn Majah was born 209 of the Hijrah. And he was born in this place, in this land, Qazwin. Ibn Tahir, he mentioned that he was born this date. And he said that he saw it was written somewhere. Al-Imam Ibn Majah, like any other scholar like his time, as we always mention, there are factors that helped him. There were factors that helped him to become a scholar of hadith to learn and that was rahimahullah he grew up in a wasat ilmi and an environment where knowledge was respected knowledge was loved people wanted to learn the religion he grew up in an environment like that also the household that ibn majah came out from was a household which truly admired knowledge and so his family ingrained in him the love of knowledge and the love of ilm. And so from a young age, Ibn Majah, he had memorized the Quran, finished the Quran, and this is a concept you will find with all of the scholars. You never find a scholar who became a scholar who didn't finish the Quran. So he memorized the Quran and then he studied. He learned the most fundamental knowledge that's needed, the necessary knowledge that is needed. You see, brothers, it is important, very important, that you learn ilmul hal. You know what ilmul hal means? The knowledge that when you go out, you will implement it straight away. What is the benefit you're learning a knowledge that's 
probably not going to come your way. A person needs to learn what? The knowledge that you need for your day-to-day life. That's what you need to learn. After he did that, he started to sit in the masajid. See, again, this is the benefit of circles of knowledge. Well, I will tell you one thing. Anyone who wants to learn, anyone who wants to gain knowledge, he needs three things. Three things. Anyone who doesn't have these three is never going to attain knowledge. And he's never going to learn. And him and knowledge are going to be on two valleys, two different places. The first one is al-hifdhu, memorization. The first thing that you need to attain knowledge is what? Al-hifdhu. You have to memorize. You have to have a daily portion in which you memorize. Daily intake. Number two, it's al-qira'ah, reading. A student of knowledge needs to read. Has to have a portion, an amount of books that he reads daily. And number three, coming to the circles of knowledge. Coming to where? The circles of knowledge. If these three are not there, if these three are not present in you, if these three are not found, then in simple terms, don't fool yourself. You're not going to learn. You're cheating yourself before, any and any, before anybody. You're cheating yourself. Those are the three things that you need. Al-hifdhu, qira'ah, wa huduru shuyuki You memorize daily. You read a lot. And you also participate in the circles of the people of knowledge. So Al-Imam Ibn Majah and all the other great scholars, that's what they used to do. That's what they used to do. Rahimahumullahu. Rahmatan wasi'ah. We don't know exactly when Ibn Majah started to seek knowledge. We don't know exactly. But what we do know is one of his greatest scholars. I mean, the seniorest scholar that he has. And that is, you have to write this name because this is one of his senior scholars. It is Ali ibn Muhammad al-Tanafisi. Ali ibn Muhammad al-Tanafisi, rahimahullah who died in the year 233. Ali ibn Muhammad al-Tanafisi. We'll bring him up later, inshallah ta'ala. Ibn Majah, from this it seems like he started to go and seek knowledge, when he, meaning he embarked on narrating hadith and learning from the scholars of his land when he was 15. When he was what? 15, he was ready. He had finished the Quran. He had also taken the necessary fundamental knowledge that were needed. At the age of 15, he was ready. He was prepared. And the person who he narrated the most from is Ali ibn Muhammad al-Talafisi. He narrated the most from him as Imam al-Dhahabi, rahimahullah, mentions in Seerah Alam al-Nubala. And also Abu al-Qasim al-Rafi'i mentioned Ibn Majah, he's traveling to seek the knowledge of hadith. He's traveling. Are we all together, brothers? Ibn Majah, like all the other great scholars that we mentioned, they sought knowledge, not only in the land that they were in, 
but they had actually what? They traveled. They traveled. And it is necessary. It is necessary for a person to what? To take knowledge first of all from the people of your land. It's necessary to take knowledge from the people of your of your land. Walidarika Al Imam Khatib al Baghdadiyu said the following. Al Imam Al Khatib al Baghdadiyu mentions in his kitab Al Jami'u li Akhlaq al Rawi wa Adab al Sami'. He said, وَيَنْبَغِي لِطَالِبِ الْحَدِيثِ It is necessary for the student of hadith. It is necessary for the student of hadith. وَمَنْ عُنِيَ بِهِ And anyone who gives it importance. أَنْ يَبْدَعَ That the person starts with what? بِكَتْبِ حَدِيثِ بَلَدِهِ That you write the narrations of your land. Start with the people of your land. Take from the shuyukh of your hometown. Narrate from them. Take their knowledge. Take everything that they give. The narrations that they give you. The knowledge that they give you. Take it from them. Comprehend it. Try to understand it, he says. Until you come to learn from the people of your land what is authentic and what isn't authentic. Once you've done that, you've taken the knowledge of your land, what do you do? You embark on a journey to travel the world. And then you take from the people of your, the neighboring place of your residency. You start with the neighboring countries. And then you go on and like that. Like that. But what benefit is it if you leave your hometown and you haven't really taken the knowledge from your hometown and you leave and you go? When you come back, you're most likely not going to be what? You're most likely not going to be higher than the level of the people of your, of your land. You're going to come back and you're still a what? A student. Are we all together, brothers? So, but when you do finish the knowledge of your land and you leave, when you come back, you become a what? A person who can bring something extra to the people. Because remember, the people of your land cannot all travel. And the people of your land cannot all embark on the journey of gathering and learning and mastering sciences. So your journey shouldn't just only be for yourself, but it's also for what? The community and the people you've, you've left behind. You're bringing them something extra. Are we all together, brothers? And that's very important. When this was not done, a group of people, they went and they sought knowledge, maybe in institutions, universities. They went and they sought knowledge in some of the prestigious universities, Medina, etc. They went to universities and they went. But when they went, they came back to the land that they left in the West. And guess what? They became a student in that land that they left. And they, six years they were away. Many years they were away. But when they came back, they were what? They were students. Are we all together, brothers? They didn't learn anything. As the Arabs say, Your land, majority of your lands, what does it have to offer? The Quran. You can learn the Quran from your local masjid. They're teaching the Hiv program. So what benefit does it have if you get accepted in the University of Medina 
But you haven't even memorized the Quran from your local masjid. Sahab brothers, it's the truth. You went to Medina, you're going to come back and you're, you're going to be what? This is what's going to happen to you. You're going to come back after six years and it's embarrassing to sit in the halaqah that you left six years ago. It's embarrassing. People are going to be like, are you not a graduate from the prestigious university of Azhar or this or that? Or Medina or whatnot? So, you most likely will not be able to sit in the halaqah and learn. Does that make sense? It prevents you from it. It's embarrassing. صح? And this is a waqa. So my advice to all of you is, master, or even grasp a great knowledge from the land that you're in first. Are we all together? And then start thinking about, I'm going to travel to this country, I'm going to travel to that country, I'm going to travel there. Then inshallah ta'ala, when you do come back, you come back with great knowledge, inshallah ta'ala. Ibn Majah, rahimahullah, as I said, what did he do? He traveled the world. What did he do? He traveled the world. And he went to many different regions, rahimahullah ta'ala. And I said to you, how old was he at this moment when he started to embark 15 onwards, rahimahullah. Like in the traveling for Ibn Majah, it started... When he was 30 15 years he was mastering the knowledge of his land Does it not show you a lot? 15 years Are we all together? What's his name? Some of the scholars you see We want to learn knowledge in 2-3 weeks And 4 months And you know Alamiya course And the Alamiya course is for how many? It's for how long? One year and then they, they, they tell you After one year they say to you You're going to master the Arabic language Sah? Look at I was reading Suyuti's biography In his kitab Husnul Muhadara And he has another kitab Called At-Tahadduth Bin-Ni'matillahi Suyuti I think I may, not, I may be wrong on the figures But I think he said 11 years 11 years He was studying grammar From his teacher what? Al-Kafiji How many years? 11 years Keeping in mind Keeping in mind Suyuti himself is a what? He's an Arab, right? He's, he's an Egyptian scholar And he's from Usyut Are you with me, brothers? He's from a place called Asyut There's many ways of saying it The name Asyut But 11 years How long was he learning 11 years for? Just Arabic from one teacher. But in that book he says, I mastered seven sciences. I mastered it, Suyuti said. I mastered it. He said, I even passed my teachers. Seven sciences, I passed my teacher. The only science that one of my teachers has and I still haven't passed him in is he said, Alamuddin Al-Bulqaini. There's two ways of saying it. Some people call it Bulqaini. I'm a Bulqaini. And I think the correct way to say it is Al-Bulqaini. Alamuddin Al-Bulqaini. I'm a Bulqaini. Is his fiqh teacher. He said, He was the only person whose knowledge I haven't reached. The reason why I say it's Alamuddin, be careful, because some of the people, they think 
that the person who he took knowledge from was Salajuddin, the father. It's not the father, it's the, it's the son. But look at this, brothers. Can you not see how Huduru Majalis al Ulama coming and sitting in the gatherings, taking from the teacher, learning from him, how Allah can, you know, you learn a lot. Well, some of the scholars, what they mention is sitting in the, the majalis, the gatherings of knowledge, is that you learn things that it will take you weeks, months to grasp. A teacher will give you a shortcut. Because he's been there. Are you with me, brother? He'll save you time. He'll explain to you a mustalah, a term, that will probably take you hours on end, if, if I say the bare minimum. He would save you hours and just say to you, this is what it means. And it says it, and it's in that book. And you just go and you get the book and it's there. Instead of you having to read a 15 volume book and then getting it out from it yourself, he'll save you a lot of time. Does that make sense, brothers? And he'll also, you see, the knowledge that you're taking, brothers, is a two-way system. It's not a one-way system. Many people have misunderstood this. It's take in and then something has to come out. When you listen to recordings and tapes and videos, all you've received is the in, the taken in. Who knows what you're going to spit out and what you're going to bring out is correct. Sahih? How does anyone know you've comprehended it properly? This is where the, the, the hudur, majalis ahli al-ilm, is coming to the gatherings of the people of knowledge. This is the benefit that it brings you. Is that what you took in, if you're bringing it out correctly, that's where they are there for. And they will tell you, no, nope, you misunderstood everything I said. And you got the wrong side of the stick. Are we all together? So after that, he traveled, rahimahullah ta'ala. Imam al-Mizzi said, nafi'ah. He has beneficial books. And he traveled a lot. These are the places he traveled to. He traveled to Mecca. He traveled to Mecca. He traveled to Medina. And remember, brothers, it was a must. It was a must. It's a, it was a must. For anybody who was seeking knowledge, he had to go to... He had to go to... Al-Hijaz. Hijaz is what? Mecca and Medina. Anybody had to. Especially the Mawasim al Hajj. And I believe it's vital that somebody authors a book. Somebody sits down, and, uh, sits down and authors books on scholars who travel to go to Hajj to meet scholars. I think Jadirun bit Ta'lif. Jadirun bit Ta'lif. It deserves to be written. Because this is a time. Especially if you're a rahal, you're a traveler, you travel the world to see scholars and meet them, Hajj is one of the best places to start with. Why? Because you don't have to. You don't have to travel to many countries. Scholars will come from where? They will come from different continents, from different sides of the world. You meet them in one, in one land. So scholars, they used, to, they used to go Mecca. And it used to save them a lot of time to have to travel the world. They may, they may meet some of the scholars in, in, in Mecca. So he went and he met, he went to Mecca and he met, he met great scholars. We'll speak about those scholars inshallah ta'ala uh, soon. From them is Muhammad ibn Yahya al-Adani, Abu Marwan, Muhammad ibn Uthman al-Uthmani, Hadiyat ibn Abdul Wahab al-Muruzi and others. In Medina he heard from Ibrahim ibn al-Munzir. He heard from him al-Hizami. And Ahmad ibn Abi Bakr al-Zuhri. 
He went to Egypt and he met Yunus ibn Abdul A'la. He went to Egypt as well, the third country, and he heard from Yusu, Yunus ibn Abdul A'la and Isa ibn Hamad al-Zu'bah and Ahmed ibn Amr in Sarah and Harmalat ibn Yahya and Muhammad ibn Rumh and other than them. He went to Dimashqa. He went to where? Dimashqa. He went to Dimashq. And when he went to Dimashq, he heard from Hisham ibn Ammar. Hisham ibn Ammar has a story. Hisham ibn Ammar has a story. Hisham ibn Ammar, he went, Hisham ibn Ammar, and Hisham ibn Ammar, as you all must know, he went to an Imam Malik. Hisham ibn Ammar went to Imam Malik, right? And when he saw Imam Malik, he said to Imam Malik, narrate to me. Narrate to me hadith. And Imam Malik, he told his slave boy, he said, beat him, lash him. So a big lash was taken, and Hisham ibn Ammar was beaten because he was a young boy. And then he cried, Hisham ibn Ammar, he cried. He said, my father, he sold his garden. My father, what did he do? My father, he sold his garden. The reason why he sold his garden is so that I can come and narrate from you, Imam Malik. And so Imam Malik's heart became soft for him. The reason is because Al Imam Malik was not a person you could just walk up to and just talk to like that. Kana Rajulun you have. And Imam Malik was a really respected man, really respected. Very respected. People used to be very conscious of Al Imam Malik's presence. So when he got lashed and he got beaten, and then he, he cried and he told Imam Malik his story. And Imam Malik said, okay, each lash, I'm going to give you a narration for it. And so he gave him all of the lashes, he gave a narration for it. And then Hisham al-Ammarin, he said, Zid fil-darbi was, was did. I'm a Zid fil-darbi, increase in the beating and also increase in the narrations that you're giving me, inshallah, as well. Like, hit me more if you want and give me more narrations with it. So Hisham ibn Ammar is the teacher of who? He's the teacher of Imam al-Bukhari. And this is one of the benefits that you need to note down that Imam ibn Majah, he shared teachers with Bukhari. Sharakahu fi shuyukhi. Are you with me, brothers? Does that make sense? Well, if you look at the, the scholars, if you look at the scholars, You have to know this. Who died the first from the four Sunan? From the four Sunan, who died first? Ibn Majah. Ibn Majah died seven, two, seven, uh, seven, three, right? Who came next? Abi Dawood. Abi Dawood died, died two, seven, five. And then who came third? Tirmidhi. Two, seven, nine. And then who came fourth? Al Imam Nasa'i. Nasa'i died the last. Walidharika, the six scholars of hadith, who was the last one to die? Imam Nasai. So Ibn Majah died 273. And Imam Abu Dawood, he died 275. And Imam Tirmidhi died what? 279. And Imam Al Nasai, he died one? 30. 303. This is the order they died in. So, and Imam al-Bukhari, when did he die? 200 and what? 56, sorry. 
Bukhari died 250 Bukhari died 256 Then Tirmidhi rahimahullah and Imam al-Bukhari They shared They shared with each other They shared with each other Shuyukh Ibn Majah and Bukhari They had some, some of the Shuyukhs they shared with each other From them is Muhammad bin Bashar uh, Bundar And of course Yunus ibn Abdul Ala Also the fifth place that they went to He went to was Hims he went to Hims and he heard from Hisham ibn Abdul Malik. He went to Kufa. He went to Al Kufa and he heard from Abu Quraib, Muhammad ibn Al Ula, Hanad ibn Al Sirri, Abu Bakr ibn Abi Shayban, Muhammad ibn Abdullah ibn Namir. Basra, he heard from Muhammad ibn Bashar Bundar. Baghdad, he went to and he heard from in Baghdad Abu Khaythamat al Zuhair ibn Harbin. Al-Nasa'iyu He went to Ar-Ray He went to Ar-Ray Ar-Ray is from the one of the biggest Min A'zam Mudun al-Khurasan Ar-Ray is one of the biggest Cities in what? We mentioned how many cities fall under Khurasan Four right? Naysabur Balkh Harat And Ar-Ray right? Ar-Ray is the biggest of them Okay, and now today, where is it present? Ah, uh, here, today is part of Tehran. It's part of Tehran. He heard from Muhammad ibn Humayd. There was a time you would travel to that place. Are you with me, brothers? To narrate from it. He went to Naysabur. He went to Naysabur. And who did he hear from in Naysabur? Muhammad ibn Yahya al-Zuhali. Muhammad ibn Yahya al-Zuhali, he heard from him. Does anyone here know Muhammad ibn Yahya al-Zuhali? Who is he? He was a contemporary with Bukhari rahimullah, and it was the one that him and Bukhari had a conflict. Always remember that, inshallah. How many years did it take Al Imam Ibn Majah to travel the world to narrate all of those scholars? 15 years. Came back to his country now. After 15 years of traveling, narrating, reading, studying, learning, memorizing, he came back. And when he came back, this is another lesson that we need to take. Once you learn and you graduate from a university, or you learn and you finish the studying of the shuyukh, after the graduation, all you have learned is you don't know anything. Those six years was you just learning every day that you don't know nothing. That's the truth, wallahi. Now your life has started. Now you have learned the way to go about seeking knowledge. Now you know what road to take. It doesn't make sense to stop. It makes more sense to what? Continue. Ibn Majah, when he came back to his hometown and where he was from, what did he do? Rahimahullah. He sat down and he started to author. He ta- started to write. Even though his authorship, and Imam Ibn Majah was very, very, very little. I think that he only wrote three books that were mentioned. But he was known to be from the, the teachers. He was a teacher. He wasn't... Are author a lot And people are different right People are They're different Like for example If you look at the three noble shuyukhs today Sheikh Abdul Aziz Mubaz Sheikh Muhammad Ibn Salih Uthaymin And Sheikh Albani Who gave more time to authorship from, from, from amongst them Huh Who's, Who gave a lot of time to writing Sheikh Albani without a doubt 
Sheikh Albani was, you can count one hand how many books he sat down to teach. He didn't have halaqat or he taught or anything like that. Are you with me, brothers? He loved authorship. He loved writing. And there's some people who are like that today. What do they do? They're very good with their writing. They came to Shah Abdul Aziz bin Ubaz and they complained about Bakr ibn Abdullah Abu Zayd. You know, Bakr didn't have no halaqa. You guys know Bakr Abu Zayd? You know who he is? Who is he? He's the author of the kitab Hil Talib al Ilm, right? Bakr Abu Zayd was not a teacher. He didn't like teaching. So they complained to Sheikh Ibn Baz. They said, Shlok, Sheikh, this man with his knowledge and his understanding of the religion, how much he has. He doesn't come and he doesn't teach that much. And then he said, everyone has their field. Bakr is going to suffice the Ummah with his pen. Are you with me, brothers? Well, like sometimes you find people complain about different teachers they have. You have to realize each teacher has a unique thing that you can take from him. All the shuyukhs, if they were all the same, you wouldn't have benefited what you benefited, right? This teacher is probably good at giving you word-for-word explanation. This teacher, on the other hand, may be good at giving you the overall meaning. This teacher, do you get it, brothers? This teacher, you may benefit from him the importance of memorization. This other teacher, you may benefit from the importance of understanding. This teacher, you may benefit from implementation, not, me, not much knowledge, but actions. Are you with me, brothers? Sheikh Ibn Uthaymin was known for more what? Teaching. Sheikh Ibn Uthaymin was more of a... It's my own statistics, but 80% of Ibn Uthaymin's works... I could even say 90% of his books that you're reading today, they were not what? They were not books he wrote. They were taken from his tapes and they were made into books. They are tafrigat. They were transcribed from his ashrita, his tapes, and they were made into books later. Are you with me, brothers? When the director, Abdul Muhsin Abbad, was asked, Sheikh Abdul Muhsin, um, the only Sheikh I know in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, who had actually finished the six books of hadith from the beginning to the end and finished it. Went through all of them. From Bukhari, Muslim, Abi Dawood, Tirmidhi, Ibn Majah. And it took him years to do it, Sheikh Abdul Muhsin. So he was asked, why, did, why is it not a book now? Why is it not transcribed? Why didn't anyone not transcribe it? Sheikh Abdul Muhsin Abad. And he said, if only I was like Sheikh, Sheikh Muhammad ibn Salih al-Uthaymeen. Because he said, Sheikh ibn Uthaymeen, when he speaks, it looks like it's a book that you wrote. His words are like, take Ibn Uthaymeen's fatawa, listen to it, write it. It's, 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 in a, it's like he was reading from a paper. Are you brothers? Every other shuyukh, when they, when they talk, they keep repeating the same point. You have, to, you have to sometimes omit some words here or there to make the sentence make more sense. Are you with me, brothers? Like in Sheikh Ibn Uthaymeen, it was consistent. He said, my speech is not like Ibn Uthaymeen, so... Huh? So... Transcription can be taken from it. It's not. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a building. It's a tall building. It's like 15 floors height. If you go to Unayza, I was in Qasim. I used to live in Qasim. Unayza. If you go, there's a imara, a building, 10, 15 floors. And it, as soon as you enter Unayza, you see on the top of that building, Muassasatu, Al Khairiya, Muhammad ibn Salih. You go in there, you show that you're a student of knowledge, they'll give you the books for free. Give you his books, his tapes, his recordings, his everything. 
he has a TV channel. You guys have seen it, right? There's a channel on satellite. All, all days, 24 hours, 24-7. He's, he's, he's explanations of books. And he's what? And he's tapes and everything. It's just being played continuously. And that shows sincerity. And taqwa of Allah Azza wa Jalla. This is what Allah does. He makes your knowledge forever remain. Allah makes it forever remain. The Shaykh Rahimahullah Ta'ala, he went to the 11th place, which was Wasit. He traveled to Wasit. Um, Ibn Majah, he had many students. He had what? Many students. As I said to you, he's more known for his teaching than his authorship. From his students is Abu Hassan Al-Qazwini. Al-Qattan. Write this man's name down because it's very important that you remember it because he's one of the narrators of the Sunan Ibn Majah. Abu Hassan Al-Qazwini. Al-Qattan. Abu Hassan Al-Qazwini. Also, from his students is is Abu Hassan al Askari. Abu Hassan al Askari, and also Ahmed ibn Ibrahim al Qazwini. Ahmed ibn Ibrahim al Qazwini, this man is the grandfather of Abu Ya'la al-Khalili. Abu Ya'la al-Khalili is his grandfather. His grandfather. Abu At-Tayyib, Abu Tayyib al-Baghdadi. Abu Tayyib al-Baghdadi. Also, Ahmed ibn Muhammad Ahmed ibn Muhammad ibn Hakim Ahmed ibn Muhammad ibn Hakim Abu Amr al-Madini al-Asbahani His works, the books that he's written Mu'allafatul Imam ibn Majah Ibn Majah ibn Majah's books as I said to you, Ibn Majah, he's, he's known to have how many books? There were, the scholars who wrote about him, they mentioned he had only three books. From them is number one, the Sunan that we have. The Sunan that we have. The second one is Tafsirul Quran. He had a Tafsir of the Quran. Tafsirul Quran al Karim. And. Al-Imam Ibn Kathir praised the tafsir. He said it's tafsirun hafil. It's a tafsir that's full of gems. Abu al-Hajjaj al-Mizzi, the author of the kitab Tahdib al-Kamal, Abu al-Hajjaj al-Mizzi said, all that has been received from this tafsir Ibn Majah was two volumes that 
are, those two volumes are only selections of what he wrote. Selections, not actually the whole book. Abu Hajjaj al rahimahullah, he mentioned that in his Tahrib al Kamal. The third book that he wrote is a Tarikh history book. And what he wrote here is from the time of the companions, from the time of the companions to his time. Rahimahullah ta'ala. Huh? The third book is a Tarikh, history. A Tarikh. He spoke about the time of the companions to his time. This book was present many years after Ibn Majah. It was many years after Ibn Majah. And from one of the people who actually saw it, who said he saw it, is Abu al-Fadl Muhammad ibn Tahir al-Maqdisi. He said, I saw it. He said he saw it. And he saw it. But the issue is, we don't have the tarikh and we don't have the tafsir today. None of those two do we have. What about the scholars? What did they say about Ibn Majah? What did they say about him? His knowledge and everything. Abu Ya'la al-Khalili said, Thiqa, Kabir, is a reliable individual. Muttafaq is unanimously agreed upon. Muttafaqun Ali. He's unanimously agreed upon. Rahimahullah. Muhtajun bih. He's a proof that can be used. Lahu ma'arifatun bil hadith. He knows hadith. He's memorized hadith. Abu Ya'la al-Khalili also said about him, Alimun bihada al-Sha'an. He's a scholar of this field. He was a person who had wara'. Wara'a means what? A person who stayed away from any doubtful issues. Sahib al-Tasanif. He authored many books, he said. Abu al-Qasim Abdi Kareem al-Rafi'iyu, the author of the Kitab al-Muharrar, he said, huwa imamun min muslimina He said, al-imamu ibn Majah Zawat. He's an imam from the imams of the Muslims. Maqbulun bittifaq. He's accepted by consensus. Ibn Kalli Khan said the same about him. Ibn Athir said the same about him. And Imam Al-Dhahabi said the same about him. Ibn Kathir said the same about him. Ibn Nasir al-Din al-Dimashqi, he also said the same about him. He's praised. Ibn Majah, rahimahullah, he's praised. Ibn Majah, after many years of knowledge and teaching and authorship and traveling the world to gain knowledge, he departed from this world. Like it is for everybody amongst us that our time has an ending and he died on a Monday and he was buried on a Tuesday two days were, three days were left to the month of Ramadan three days Ramadan was about to come and the year that he died was 273 I wrote it on the board for you 273 so how old was he? He was 64 years of age, right? When was he born? 200 and... Yeah? What is it? 200 and what? So how, how long? 64, right? 64 years of age he was. He was 64. Rahimahullah ta'ala. Rahmatan wasi'a. Let's talk quickly about his, his sunan. This sunan, this book of his, and the name that it was given is two names. How many names? The first one is 
As-Sulan Not name, Sunan So they called it Sunan Ibn Majah The Sunan of Ibn Majah That's the first name The second name is Al-Musnad Some scholars they called it Al-Musnad And the scholars that called it a Musnad is his student Ahmad ibn Ibrahim al-Qazwini. Ahmad ibn Ibrahim al-Qazwini. And the third, second person who called it al-Musnad was Abdul Karim, Abu al-Qasim, Abdul Karim al-Rafi'i, the author of the Kitab al-Muharrar and Fatul Aziz. He called it a Musnad. Why did he call it a Musnad? The reason why he called it a Musnad is because as you're going to see Ibn Majah in his Sunan, he stayed away from the Mawquf and the Maqtu'. He stayed away from it. What's a Mawquf? That which is attributed to a, a companion. He stayed away from the narrations that are attributed to the what? The companions. And the narrations that are attributed to the to the tabi'een, the students of the companions, he avoided those. Which ones did he come with in his sunan? A hadith which were? A hadith which were marfu'. His book is unique for that. He stayed away from the rest. What are the benefits that this book has? And the benefits that this kitab, Ibn Majah, holds? Four things, inshallah ta'ala. Four things. These are one of the unique things about it. One, one, one of the four things that it has over the rest. Number one, the chapterings that Ibn Majah brought in his Sunan, they are very precise. They were very precise and they're so summarized. It's not a long bab. Okay? He chooses. Precision and summarization in his chapterings. And this is important because the chaptering gives you an idea of all the hadiths that are going to come. What are they going to talk about? Sometimes the chaptering is a form of explanation for you. Are we all together, brothers? So the first benefit that he has is والإجاز. It summarizes and it's also precise, precision. It shows you that he thought about it. ولذلك ابن كثير said in his اختصار علوم الحديث he said وهو كتاب مفيد قوي التبويب قوي قوي التبويب قوي التبويب في الفقه he said that he, his book is very beneficial and it's very strong in his chapterings number two number two كثرة زوائده ابن ماجه السنن has more additional hadith that you don't find in the other six, uh, the other five. He has zawaid additional, which you will not find in the other five. And this is the reason Ibn Hajar said, "Are we all together, brothers?" This is the reason why Ibn Hajar and others have mentioned that this book was deserving, even though Ibn Hajar gave more precedence to the Musnad al-Darini. But even then, he did mention that the reason why this was made the sixth is because it had a lot of zawaid. 
a lot of additional hadiths. Are we all together, brothers? No, not more in number. It just means that when you look at the hadith that you find, like for example, there are when you're trying to memorize Kutub Sitta, six books of hadith, how do you memorize them? The way you memorize it is you do al jamr bayna sahihain. You memorize the hadith that Bukhari and Muslim both agreed upon. Number one. Have you finished? Yes. Then now what's left? There are going to be a hadith that are in Bukhari that is not in Muslim and Muslim not in Bukhari, right? So what do you do? You go for the afrad of Bukhari. The hadith which Bukhari is alone in that you don't find in Muslim. You memorize that again. That's the second phase. And then you go for what? The hadith that Muslim has, Bukhari doesn't have. Now what have you finished? Bukhari and Muslim. Once you've done that, you go for the zawaidul arba'ah. Now you look for the ahadith that are not in Bukhari and Muslim, that are in the other four. Are we all together, brothers? And you memorize them. Am I making sense here? Does this make sense? The hadith that are extra after Bukhari and Muslim generally is more on the side of Ibn Majah. Ibn Majah has many zawaid. And that's good for a person of hadith. Number three. Point number three. Let me, before I go to number three, let me read the kalam of Ibn Hajar that he mentions in his Kut Nukat Alam Salah. The reason why he said that Muwatta Malik should not be made the sixth and that Ibn Majah should be made the sixth. He said the following. He said, وَإِنَّمَا عَدَلَ إِبْنُ طَاهِرٍ وَمَنْ تَبِعَهُ عَنْ عَدِّ الْمُوَطَّعِ إِلَىٰ عَدِّ إِبْنُ مَاجَةِ Why he's trying, to, he's trying to explain to you. Why did Abu al-Fadl, Muhammad ibn Tahir al-Maqdisi, in his atraf, and also in his shurut al-Aimati sitta, why did he not mention Muwatta Malik, when Malik was before them all? He said the reason is because, لِكَوْنِ زِيَادَاتِ الْمُوَطَّعِ عَلَىٰ كُتُبِ الْخَمْسَةِ مِنَ الْأَحَدِيثِ الْمَرْفُوعَةِ يَسِيرَ جِدًّا the hadith, after you read the six books, the hadith that you find in Muwatta Malik are very little. You don't find much. Are we all together? When you read the five, six, five books, Bukhari, Muslim, Abi Dawood, Tirmidhi, and Nasa'i, when you read them, there is little that Malik has in his Muwatta, little. But when you read the narrations that are in Ibn Majah, there are more. So they said, okay, bring Ibn Majah, Muwatta Malik. Does that make sense? Ibn Hajar mentions that in his Al-Nukhat Alam al-Salah. The third benefit that, I mean the third miza that Sunan Ibn Majah has is annahu, that he, he does sardul ahadith. Meaning, he mentions the ahadith in summary. He summarizes the ahadith. Min ghayri takrarin fil ghalibi. And he tries to avoid repetition. He does he avoids to bring that one hadith many times in his books. What does it mean? He summarizes a hadith. If he needs this hadith for this chaptering, he won't bring you the beginning and the ending. He'll just mention the point that he needs. Are we all together, brothers? So he's good at that. That's very good. Hassan Khan, in his Kitab al Hitbah, he praised Sunan Ibn Majah in that regard. He praised him. He said, وَفِي الْوَاقِعِ الَّذِي فِيهِ حُسْنُ التَّرْتِيبِ وَسَبْدِ الْأَحَادِيثِ بِالْإِخْتِصَارِ مِنْ غَيْرِ تَكْرَارٍ لَيْسَ فِي أَحَدِ مِنَ الْكُتُبِ The way that you find in Ibn Majah, you don't find him in the other books, he said. Number four. 
The last reason is because he made his book only for the ahadiths of the Prophet. And he did not bring inside it the mawqufat, the maqtu'at. He only brought it in the muqaddimah, in the introduction. Ibn Majah. Are we all together? The last one is, he only brought in his sunan a hadith which are marfu'ah. A hadith which are ascribed to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and not to what? The companions and the uh, students of the companions, the tabi'een. Now we're going to go into inshallah ta'ala The ones who narrated from Ibn Majah the Sunan. Al Imam al Rafi'iyu mentioned four. He mentioned four who are well known, the famous four, the famous four who narrated the Sunan Ibn Majah. The first one is Abu al Hassan ibn Qattan. Abu al Hassan ibn Qattan, he's the first. The second one is Sulaiman ibn Yazid al-Qazwini. Sulaiman ibn Yazid al-Qazwini. And the third one is Abu Ja'far Muhammad ibn Isa. And last but not least, Abu Bakr Hamid. These are the ruwat of the Muatta, uh, sorry, the Sunan ibn Majah. These are the ruwat, the narrators of Ibn Majah these four Ibn Hajar added two extra so how much does it become? six Ibn Hajar added two extra two on to which one? two on the four mentioned by who? Abu Qasim Al-Rafi'i mentioned how many? four famous ones and Ibn Hajar said there are extra two the, first, the, sixth, the fifth one is Sa'dun and Ibrahim ibn Dinar. Sa'adun and Ibrahim ibn Dinar. Those six are the Ruwat Sunan ibn Majah. They are the narrators of the Sunan. And the most well known, the well documented one, and the only one that reached us, is the one by Abu al Hassan Ali ibn Ibrahim ibn Salamat al Qazwini al Qattan. Are we all together? It's the first narrator who is Abu Hassan ibn Qattan. His narration is the only one that's reached us. That's the one we narrate. He died year 345. Muhammad he said, that basically, the 
the only narration and the only way that it became to us is through Al-Hafid Abul Hassan Al-Qattan Rahimahullah Ta'ala Let's mention inshallah Ta'ala the number of books and the chapterings and the ahadith that are in it and we will conclude there inshallah Ta'ala Ibn Majah of course the chapterings are different based on the copies and based on the way that it's looked at um, different people but the one I'm going to rely on is the uh, Muhammad Fuad Abdul Baqi okay his tahiz ihsa his figures is what we're going to stick to inshallah ta'ala uh, Muhammad Fuad Abdul Baqi he said that the number of hadiths are 4,341 4,341 and the hadith sorry the books the books so how much hadith 4,341 that's the number of hadith 4,341 what about the, the books the books that are in Sunan Ibn Majah you know, each within Ibn Majah there's books. Kitab al Tahara, Kitab al Salah, Kitab al Hajj. There are 37 books. 37 books. And the Babs, the Abwab, Bab, 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 the chaptering is 1515. 15? 15, 15, meaning 1515. Does that make sense? 1,515. That's the numbers that was reached in accordance to that book. We'll stop there inshallah ta'ala in regards to the um, books, book Sunan Ibn Al-Imam Ibn Majah. Brothers, there's much more that can be said. But remember, we're always restricted with time. So we'll only mention what's important. And that gives you an understanding of this book so you can read it yourself and enjoy it. Anything which I have said that was wrong or incorrect is from me and Shaytan and Allah and His Messenger are free from it. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik ashadu la ilaha illallah astaghfiruk wa atubu ilayh. Can I tell? The narrators who narrated the book. I mentioned it now. Can I give the, 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 the narrators? I don't have it with me right now. All the numbers and the, the narrators that reached us and everything. Try to remind me by next, next class to bring, inshallah ta'ala. Say that again. Fitiyah. Remember we said last time, Imam Muhammad's kitab, since it doesn't deal with the topic that the Qutub Sunan deal with. Qutub Sunan, they deal with fiqh issues. 
And after aqidah, what's the most important thing? After aqidah. Because it's halal and haram. Are we all together, brothers? So after the person learns aqidah, Qutb al-Sunan take precedence. Lakin Ibn Imam Ahmad's Musnad. What did he do? He brought all of the ahadith. And so it's not restricted to a particular chapter. It's not restricted to the most important thing. So that's why the scholars, they did not add it to the six books of hadith. Are we all together? Ahmad's Musnad is a Musnad. And a Musnad is not like a Sunan. Sunan is a hadith al-ahkam, jurisprudent rulings. And the jurisprudent rulings takes more precedence than what? Than any other thing. After Aqid, of course. 